Welcome to a very special episode of Mystery Maniacs. Today we're going to have an interview with Annette Badland. She's awesome. She uh, is famous for Midsummer, Ted Lasso, and a whole bunch of other shows. She was really fun to talk to. Thank you so much, Annette. We hope you enjoy this interview as much as we did. I can't say how excited we are to talk to you. When <laughs> when your character was brand new on Midsummer, I don't know when I ha- like I was so excited to see you particularly on Midsummer because I have been a fan of yours for so long. You oh, are so you. inspiring to me. <laughs> Absolutely. I I think that I've been watching you for my entire life. I've realized we watched Jabberwocky in high school. We saw ah. that movie out. And also we were big John Hurt fans in high school. And so I saw that Quentin Crisp uh, movie that you were in with him in a very small part, your first credit. I I know yes, I've seen that course. movie as well. Yes. Yeah. First I thing think- I did. I think one of the most inspiring things about you for me is all of the unconventional roles you've played. You've never felt pressured to like fit into that that box of what an actress is supposed to look like and the roles that you're supposed to play. The fact that but you I played think- a female sumo wrestler just blows my mind. <laughs> and won. <laughs> where where did you find the confidence to do that? Uh, like was that is that something you've always had or did you have a mentor that helped you or No, I thought it was worth saying what the film was saying about women and their bodies and you know getting on and living your life was very important. And the character was such that she was, you know, she ran a factory and she had power and she saw other women who were less than they could be because they were afraid of how they looked or where they came from. And she just decided, you know, this was a way a really positive and strong. And it wasn't just the fighting, which we did do with a proper male sumo wrestling troupe from Japan that they brought across from Japan, Um, but just their entire life she wanted to help with their entire lives and it was all the background to you know the meditative stuff and you know it gave them some spirit and strength so um I felt I could get behind that and believe in it um and I didn't come in the proper shaped box (laughs) of for anything really for society and uh Ah, uh, I was hurt a lot when I was young, you know, teased and all the rest of it, but just wanted to get, I was who I was. And, um, you know, it didn't mean I couldn't dance and I couldn't do all sorts of things. You know, I get up to all kinds of nonsense and things. So I just carried on. And if I can help other people realize that as well. Um, and it does give me very interesting roles. I'm not just churning out virtually the same character all the time which often people do um so my stuff has been really varied and i love research you know if i'm doing something a period piece or you know a real person i did gertrude stein i love just adore all the research that goes into it and investigating their lives so i'm well placed in midsummer murders really aren't i those women yeah. detect the detectives can't solve the crime. I have to solve them all. 
Well, I, I think you perform a magic trick where all of your characters are very diverse, but they're all Annette Badland. Like there's all an, a, a magic and a brightness that you bring to all of them, but they're not in any ways the same. No, um, I guess they are facets of they're all facets of me um i i went to a drama school that was joan littlewood and is the method really um so i do as i say i research i investigate i um try and think about the other characters and what people say about them um where their lives would have taken them but you have to as a human being admit that somewhere in there there has to be you that you know that is your your sensibilities your upbringing and you can put things aside but somewhere that will feed in so um when i left drama school we had a wonderful tutor who said there are many ways because we had you know um as i say been through the method and been locked in rooms for a whole weekend and <laughs> all sorts of put out into the forest and things like that um, to see how that felt. Um, and I think you must always be open to new experiences, but I don't think you can entirely put yourself away or maybe, I mean, no actor can because technically, you know, even the people who are best at it, you're still running a whole lot of strands through your head as you're working technically you have to be aware of what's happening either with an order responding to an audience a live audience or technically with the camera and how the scenes moved and so you're you're subdivided as you're working anyway for most actors well as as probably the hardest hardest working person in all of show business <laughs> You certainly have a lot of plates in the air. Uh, we hear that you're quite a list maker also. Oh, I love a list. I like oh. crossing things off a list. But now I'm also getting older. I have to have the list. <laughs> it used to be part fun. Now it's essential. When I read that, I was like, I knew I loved her for a reason. You know, so many reasons. Because we are... <laughs> We're crazy about lists, and it's I will so write something on the list that I've just finished just to cross it off. Oh, it feels yes. so good. Yeah. It feels so good. Make a little amendment. Just add yes. a little code to spell and go, oh, but I've done it. Cross, 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 cross. It makes you feel good. You can pat yourself on the back. Yes. Look what I've achieved. <laughs> so were you, were you, uh, you've been in tons of mystery shows. I mean, from Faro to Marple to Agatha Raisin and everything else. Were you a Midsummer fan before? before the show like did you did you pursue that role or did they pursue you they pursued me of course they <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i was up with a bunch of other people you know i had to audition and i had to once i got through the first round i had to meet neil and work with neil a little bit and i always remember it was in a, a room above a restaurant in um, soho in the middle of london and there were no there were no props there was nothing to use in the room and there was a guitar on the wall so we went over to this guitar and pretended it was a body on a slab and we were <laughs> the scene was talking about you know suddenly the the top became uh, its head and the the body was the its but the person's body and so that was fun and Neil and I got on uh, I don't know why because he's absolutely humorless 
You know, there's no no fun to be had with Neil Dudgeon. <laughs> I get that from his interviews. He seems like a very friendly person, but not uh, really uh, not a, a slap happy person, not a frivolous person. <laughs> no, he's not. He's uh, he's a wonderful leader because he's very diligent, cares very much about the scripts. Um, so does an awful lot of work, not just for his own part, but for the entire script and um, really is is very dedicated and diligent. Um, and then I bundle in and I'm naughty. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard for me to believe that they didn't already have that part written with you in mind. I mean, Fleur is so awesome and you play her so well. I don't know. And nobody else could have been heard. I mean, did they make adjustments to the character to to suit you like the um, motorcycle riding and <laughs> all this great history that she like hints at every once in a yeah. while you know that wedding in vegas whatever <laughs> um it's just glorious stuff because i don't know what they're going to come up with next um no i think they had uh the producer and the director very much wanted me but of course that's not how things are cast anymore so um you know I just had to jump the hoop with everybody else but Guy who was producing at the time had previously um one day the person playing the pathologist was ill themselves and couldn't turn up and they thought oh god how are we gonna do this and then they someone said oh we could it could come through on a fax machine. The things could come through on a fax machine. And Guy said, I wanted a character that couldn't be replaced by a fax machine. Yeah. <laughs> Floor can be replaced yeah. by that's, that's definitely Floor. <laughs> so one of the things we always look at in the episodes, because we watch the episodes far closer than anybody else does, <laughs> is we have a segment that we call Best Corpse. Because there's a number of corpses in Midsummer, and we are always singing the praises of the the actors who are doing the corpse acting because that is a different kind of acting. Oh, and, and oh, they yeah. they worry about it, you know, not breathing and where the shot. The director is usually very good about saying, "Look, I'm not going to be coming to you until this point in the scene. Then we'll go off somewhere else and don't worry." And but yes, hard. I mean, you talked about me in in the uh, Miss Marple hanging on, being pegged to a line um, in the middle of the night in the winter terrified of breathing you know you just think oh gosh i have to get through this you know um, well, and in the winter so, time they would have seen your breath right yeah yeah and they didn't have cgi Absolutely. back in the 80s when no they didn't they didn't be painting anything out <laughs> so uh yeah actors are really concerned about that we try and be as gentle and fast as we can be so they can they can get through it you know well we're always in awe of the work they do especially people in water and things like that. Like that is some amazing body control that mm -hmm. they're doing at that point. Yeah. Yes. And as the coroner, you get to be closer to the corpses than any other character. Yeah. I don't tease them very much. I try and look, <laughs> off. I try and look after them. Very much. <laughs> I do try and sort of, you know, if you're covering someone up with a cloth all the time or, you know, people forget. They, walk, they start walking away. They just leave them, you know. Um, so I well, always Well, that must be it. kind of flattering to them, though. 
<laughs> then everybody forgets their wife. <laughs> so you have, wear, you have to wear a paper suit so much. Oh, my Smurf suit. I look like a little Smurf in it. Uh, Nick took a photograph the other day and I looked like a little happy little garden gnome. We were out and I was taking, um, I was doing a thing for charity, I was recording something and he didn't know what I was doing and he was looking out of his caravan he took a photograph of me on, on the grass with some water behind me and he came out to me and said, what are you doing? But he, when he showed it to me, I said, oh, please, I need that. I look like a little garden gnome. You see a little hat, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, a little pointy job. But it must be also kind of liberating to wear a paper suit. You don't have to worry too much about wardrobe. And if you mess it up, they can just give you another one, right? <laughs> they're mean with those suits, I tell you. Oh, they're uh, And because I am not slinky, they have to be a bigger size of so the legs of it. They have to take the legs up for me. But it means the waist is down around my thighs. You know, it's all just a big mess. And they're not brilliant. They're, of course, designed for men and not yeah. women. So they have a much easier time than we do. If you want to go to blue, you have to kind of virtually undress. And that means the mask has to, you know, because the mask's around my neck and the hood and all. Of, so I try very hard not to. <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom. Your tissue, there's no pocket. There are no pockets no. in them. You know. I've uh... often thought about that when I see you in those suits. I'm like, does she have to take all that off to eat lunch? Does she have to take all that off to go to the bathroom? Like, what a hassle it must be. Yeah. I mean, they are paper, get... right? So if they even get yeah, they wet, it shows yes. up, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could become papier-mâché. <laughs> Everybody um, loves Fleur's motorcycle. Do you actually know uh, how to ride a motorcycle, or do they just pull you on a trolley all the time? They pulled me on. I would have... Uh, I would, Annette Badling would love to ride a bike. Um, she's got a Harley too. There was a Harley yeah. in the back and it was meant to be in the front and I wanted to be sitting on the Harley and they went, oh no, please, could you sit on the the um, motorbike and sidecar? Um, no, it's safety and everything. They have to kind of speed and because Neil was in it too, we were attached to a truck, but they were going faster and it was Neil that said, um, can we... Have we got enough takes now? Can we? Because he was very, he was very close to the floor. <laughs> Meanwhile, floor is like, going, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can absolutely believe that you would ride a motorcycle. I read that oh. you have sailed for charity. Yeah. You seem, you seem like you're willing to try anything once. Oh yes, the abseiling was hard. I, I, I said yes, but um, getting over the side is the hardest. Or it was for me actually just stepping over that's the point and I actually said oh I'm sorry you might have a refuse Nick I don't know if I can do this and the guy in charge just said look just know you're absolutely safe nothing is going to happen and of course I loved it once I'd got over the top and was jumping down the side and wanted to go straight back but I think that's a probably a very common story you know you kind of want to do that um yeah, I would love to have had a bike, but I knew I'd kill myself. I'd be trying to do things I couldn't really <laughs> and manage. And stuff, There'd yeah. be uh, corners taken at 100 miles an hour, and that would be the end of it. <laughs> she does have that wonderful black jag convertible as well. I did get to drive that and rather oh, enjoy nice. it. Yeah. So were you a fan <laughs> of the show before? I know you'd 
worked on Bergerac, so you certainly would be aware of the show. And yeah, I look like I'm stalking John Nettles. I'm quite <laughs> caught up. There, there are a lot of people who do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you missed him on the show anyway, right? So yes, that's what I'm saying. I keep following him, and he's never there. Um, I watched it when I was younger. I hadn't watched it in the recent past um, because it's it's very good drama. It not only you know, you've got everything. You've got very good actors who come on as the guests because they enjoy it and it has such a reputation. It's well written. It has humour. It has wonderful countryside. So, I, I mean, it it's addictive. And I certainly know through um, COVID, it was a lifeline for people. Yeah. Lots of well, people went back to watching it. Um and it's comforting, but it is of good quality, or you wouldn't, it wouldn't have, you know, 20, 25 years. I know we're on the 24th series and the 25th is next year, but um, it has been 25 years. So it would not have survived if people just didn't respond to those things. And there's always a quality, you know, it's quality, it's well shot, it's like a film. Yeah, you can, you can watch an episode several times and it's good every time. Yeah. And we we had a similar response with our community building through that period of the pandemic of it kept us sane mm -hmm. with four children at home, as well as kept a lot of people said that they felt they weren't as alone listening yeah. to us talk about the show. Yeah, yeah. they would rewatch an episode and then listen to our podcast about that episode. And yeah, they, it was comforting to people. It certainly is yeah. to us, too. But, and you know, I know Ted, Ted Lasso is the same, something else I'm in. Excuse me. <clears throat> I was with a chap the other day who said, um, during COVID, I just moved into a new flat. It was a one, you know, bedroom flat, very small. Um, and all my friends had gone into bubbles, but I didn't seem to be in anybody's bubble. And Ted Lasso was my bubble every week. I felt I had friends and you know, could relate to people. So these programs are terribly, are genuine. I think um, they are crucial to people as well because there's an honesty and a sincerity in them. Um, and the audience smell that. They know it comes from the right place. And as human beings, we respond to that, you know, however much we like to be scared or worried about something you know be it uh, midsummer i mean when i was little i used to go we used to have saturday morning cinema and uh the batman series whoa and they were scary and dark and there was one this it was all in caves and it was um chinese men in dark suits chasing batman and i had terrible nightmares that night and my mom said you're not going back that and i said no no i want to go back it's great <laughs> and i think it's the same thing you know you kind of uh you get addicted to that and you feel safe and amused um but you know it's truthful somewhere you know it's got the right values or Ted Lasso that... is so uniquely positive. Oh, isn't it? It's, it's refreshingly positive. And but not boring. No. 
and not schmaltzy and no. um jason conceived of it way before covid um and it's about all of us isn't it we all have foibles we all have fears and it well, goes come on we can you know it's all it's going to be okay we can do this together yeah yeah, yeah. I I had not we had not watched it and uh I saw the scene where Ted's boss talks to him about divorce when she finally comes clean about uh basically trying to ruin his career and the the act of hugging her and the optimism showed in that scene I was like we have to watch this show yeah and then there's an end battle. Oh, okay, get better. So, so you run a pub in that show. I and... do. I'm very different from Fleur. Yeah. May and... is a sassy girl as well. I mean, they both got spirit. Mm -hmm. And now, um, are, is sport something that you're into at all or is this a new thing for you it's a new thing for me um i used to support manchester united but only because of georgie best it wasn't <laughs> that i understood football um but then i worked in manchester quite a bit for a while and took myself off when i was younger um there was a lot of violence and i didn't want to go to matches anyway but i thought you know, working in Manchester, I had to go to the ground and, and see them play. And I adored it. I thought it, everything I thought I'd be frightened of and the chanting I found witty and glorious and was joining in. The spectacle, the gladiatorial element of it and its beauty um, really kind of got to me. So I went back a few times whilst I was up there. But it isn't, football hasn't really been a big part of my, I swim, swimming's my thing. Um, but now I've got the lionesses to support. Yes. Hey, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're I hockey fans and there, there are women hockey teams that we get to cheer for. And it's so fun, finally, yeah. to cheer for women athletes. And the game is different, but it's um, it's wonderful and they're fantastic, so... So they're my team now. So when you film those pub scenes, do you do you all film all the scenes for one episode, like on the same day? Like, do you have to do cheering scenes and then sad scenes all the Absolutely. same day? Absolutely. <laughs> or alternate. <laughs> but usually if it's a game, we go through the game. If we're watching a match, we go right through the match and, and let that happen. And then we might fill it out other scenes that aren't about watching it happening. Um, yeah, you got it right. It's because uh, it, they have to structure things, I suppose. And because of all the essays who are brilliant, you know, they're not going to bring 30 odd people in and have them hang around or. Right. You know, I figured they had to be efficient about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but they were tr a tremendous bunch of people and a lot of them stayed for the whole three series. You know, they kept coming back and being with us. They became oh, regulars. <laughs> and I see that you're now a, a host for the Airbnb for the pub. Yeah, that's such in a October. Clever <laughs> idea. I think it's glorious. It's so it's fun. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that they're making it affordable too. It's not like a competition for who can pay the most no. to do it. 
it's, so it's, it's like our our dream list in going back to England is like spend time with the Ned Badland in a pub, <laughs> go on a narrow boat with Timothy West. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'll have a word with you because I've I've known Tim since. I started really. He, I started with the Actors Company when I left drama school, which was Ian McKellen and uh, Sheila Reed. I don't know um, in America who, Caro Blakiston, you might know. Um, but Tim knew them all and used to come and support us because it was a new venture. It was actors running the company and they would employ the directors and not the other way around. And um, So Tim used to come out and kind of turn up in a town we were touring to and give us some support and go off again. And then I worked with Prue a lot as well, Prue Scales. We did a... They, they just running. seem to be lovely people. Oh, they are. Absolutely. And then in EastEnders, of course, I was in love with Tim. Yeah. <laughs> the rat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'd taken and my his, sister away. His, his Midsummer early on was one of, it's one of my favorites for sure. He does right. such an a touching, caring actor faced with uh, a difficult situation from the script and mm -hmm. just so much on his face and that that the the stage comes out with him, with him without it seeming cardboard. Mm -hmm. Like Right. It's really, really good. Oh, well, I have to get that on iPlayer or something. Well, oh. not iPlayer. He's excellent. Well, I mean, everybody in Midsummer is excellent, but yeah. Um, so I, I have to ask you a question that, that our listeners really, 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 really wanted us to ask, which is what is your favorite murder method in Midsummer? <laughs> Death by chocolate, of course. Yes. <laughs> that must have been a messy set. Ah, I'm very hard for me. I desperately wanted to break a bit off and eat it as fur. I <laughs> and then I thought, oh, no, they're never going to let me do that. <laughs> I can't look his face. I can't look his face. <laughs> no. Just take a corner off by his ear. No one will notice. A little, right? Just a little. <laughs> And uh, we know you filmed the new season. Are you guys done filming the new no, season? No, we're just starting. We've just done start. one of four. Um, and we're just starting to just um, yesterday. But I'm on something else called Big Boys. So I was not, I wasn't needed. They, um, I, I did the read through for that yesterday. But the um, Nick and Neil started episode two of Midsummer. So you're juggling shows then you hop between yes, yeah. based on when they're when you're on the call sheet, huh? Yep. Well, they have to negotiate. They both companies talk and fight over me. How wonderful. Schedule around you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's usually what? more to do with where the the sets are, you know, where the location is. Yeah. Often, you especially on midsummer, you know, getting you know, special, wonderful houses or a landscape. Um, yes, we're always amazed in Midsummer people who work as handymen living in million-dollar cottages. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that all over England, you know, that's how it is. <laughs> well, we, we want to be respectful of your time, um, but before we let you go, we wanted to talk to you for just a minute about your charity work. Because um, okay. it, it's so inspiring. And we know that you've done things for diabetes and for cancer. 
and um, Target Ovarian Cancer is the, the current charity that you're doing work for. Is that right? That's right. I'm also still doing my Swim 22 for Diabetes UK. I wasn't going to do it this year, but I've decided to do not swim the whole channel. I'm going to be floating about in the middle of it. I'm doing 11 miles for them. That's but, enough. Yes. <laughs> it's enough. <laughs> 11 miles is a lot. But um, I did say on, could they put on the midsummer call sheet, here's your annual opportunity to help an old lady cross the channel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Target, I, it's a good social media story. I, I loved their posts. I thought they were energized and frank and truthful. Um, And it's something that, you know it's a silent killer it really is people women don't get diagnosed and if they're diagnosed early it's perfectly treatable but you know 11 women in England are dying every day because of it um and because they don't know the symptoms and often the doctors don't and they're sent away being told it's um you know a a urinary infection and take some antibiotics and then Two years later, not having been diagnosed, they died. There was a young girl. I got involved, as I say, seeing their um, social media sites. And then Anne Wynne clocked that I was, you know, liking things and reposting. And she got in touch with me and um, asked me if I would read in the Tower of London at Christmas for them. They have their Christmas candlelit Christmas service there. Oh, yes, I'd love to do that. So I've done it for a few years. And then this last Christmas, she ran up the aisle to me as I was leaving and said, would you be an ambassador for us? So I was thrilled. I mean, it's an honor. So I'm more than happy to try and help and spread the word so that women and their husbands, because it's men's mothers and sisters and wives and, you know, aunties and best friends. So I think you've what I liked about their posts and what I'm trying to be, it's got to be quite frank and open and just say, do you know the symptoms? No, you're not going to be. It's not going to be diagnosed through your cervical smear. doesn't read at all on that. And it's very simple things. It's bloating, persistent bloating. Um, and if that's unusual for you and women are likely to go, oh, I'll go on a gluten free diet or I'll, you know, I'll go vegan for a month and I'm sure that'll be or I won't drink Coca-Cola or whatever. So there's that. You want to pee more and it's insistent. You need you have to go to the loo and a sort of ache. Um, uh, lots of women I spoke to who have survived it say it's as though you've been standing ironing for a long time and your back aches and you know you might have pain in your abdomen down to your thighs and things so it's hard for me because we're such a chemistry set all of our lives we're always you know changing and you know menstruation and then the, the you know um as we get older and age and things happening then uh, the menopause, uh, it's its hard for us, but GPs aren't aware. So we have to sort of self-monitor and be self-aware. So I thought it was something that really needed to be kind of spoken about and and helped, you know, and, and we're so often told to just kind of struggle through, take some Tylenol or, you know, whatever. Yes. It'll go away. Yeah. I know when we um, 
uh, I had a colonoscopy because I had a positive test and we talked about it on the show. I'm just, you know, I'm not afraid to talk about it. And we got such a positive response from people saying, you know what? I wish more people would just mention it and just talk about it because it's important. And I think the same thing is true of ovarian cancer. People just need to talk about it. Well, Um, we don't be embarrassing or anything. Absolutely right. And we don't talk about things below the waist, do we? You know, the sort of mucky bits. We don't. <laughs> but those mucky bits will kill you. But, yeah, the tropi- tropical forest down there, we don't talk about or we joke about. Or... <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but we need, as you say, we just need to be honest and frank and talk about it more and, you know. So has, he- has charity work been part of your professional life from the very beginning or did you come to it or? I've come to it. I came through it to it through EastEnders, really. EastEnders was the first program I was in where people didn't come to me and go, I don't remember your name. Is it Anna, Anita? Um, but I love the thing you were in last night. Or they would say, it's Annette Padlin. Why the hell did you do that? We hate that program. On EastEnders, they would go, babe, are you all right, babe? How you doing, babe? And they thought I was the character, which is... Scary for an actor. Oh. And it's it's a privileged place to be, to have that recognition and celebrity. And I thought, well, you've got to use that. You know, you've got to try and, because I'm shy, so I found it quite difficult. But I thought, well, if I can use that to connect people and do charity work through it and make people more aware that's a good way of paying back and um you know helping other people uh that's that and it really was eastenders that did that to me kind of what i just a, thought I what a great way to use that celebrity that i mean so many people who have celebrity just complain about it and talk about oh paparazzi chased me or you know the burden yeah. of being famous or whatever what an incredibly positive way to use it that's what it Lady, you are so inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) The audience give us everything, don't they? If you don't, if they don't like you and you don't connect. So they are very important people in our lives. Mm. And um, it is, well, I found it frightening, you know, kind of people coming up on the train or, and I had death threats as babe because I wasn't a, a very pleasant character towards the end I had a death threat and the police were involved and you joke about that but you don't really know what's going to happen (laughs) you know someone might come down from somewhere with a machete and just have a go because they do think you are the person it's just a Um, soap yeah Yeah. (laughs) right yeah for those people they are the characters are alive for them um yeah, but it so it was like the entire uh, involvement with it was very different from anything I'd had before. Um, and I just did think, well, you know, what, what can you do to, to make this positive as opposed to, you know, there was one girl who video, I was having a conversation with a close friend about another friend who was dying and suddenly realized there was a girl walking backwards in front of us videoing us. Um, a teenage girl, and I said, what are you doing? We're having a private conversation, you know, and they just think they're 
taking part of you. So you can understand with great celebrity if that I'm very low grade. So if you've got that multiplied thousands of times, it you know, it's it is intrusive and worrying. And I could say, well, please don't do that. Just ask me. Just say, can I have your picture or can I have a little video with you? And that's fine, but you are sort of stealing from me. You're kind of invading me and taking something away from me. Um, but I really do think you can't, it's hollow, isn't it? If you just sit on it and go, ooh, I'm on top of this big cream cake. And I don't <laughs> like, I don't like some of the filling, but. <laughs> now, I know that you, you've talked about being, performing live as a connection to the audience are in social media and especially after a pandemic are you finding new ways of connecting to the audience so those studio dramas are less stale to you um uh yes i mean i i do social media more than i ever did before um, and I do get involved with people's personal stories. You know, I tend to uh, connect with people. Um, and I'm on something called Cameo. So I get to do little, you know, videos for people and make more laughter and try and keep them happy. Um, and you wouldn't be here if you weren't willing to do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> if Mark hadn't been able to reach out to you and you weren't you well weren't I'm fearless I'll talk to everybody <laughs> I I don't mind talking to anybody and and asking any question to anybody because the the worst thing you can say is no and I'm always respectful so to me then I'm doing the right stuff yeah you know yes. like you know it, if if that person isn't saying no to me personally, that person's saying no. I don't have time today. I don't have this. And it's it's you know, it. We have we have really been pleased with our response to the podcast of over fifty five year old women in particular. That's the majority of our listeners. That's the majority of our listeners. Yeah, and created community in a digital space where there wasn't community for those people before. Yes. And, yes. and you have got to be a patron saint of all that. You are <laughs> so fantastic. Well, I'm highly, I'm highly qualified, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you do as an older woman get ignored as well. I mean, I know we're all barging into one another watching you know, people looking at their phones all the time with their ear pods in and they don't see you coming and just walk smack into you. But I know when I'm shopping or I just get negated. So it's a whole part of society that, you know, they think your time has passed. I mean, a funny story. I took myself off to Peru at the beginning of the year for about two and a half weeks. And I had a driver on my last day. I very much wanted to see these things called the Nazca Lines. Mm -hmm. And when I went out, I hadn't heard that there was a revolution happening uh, because in <laughs> England, we don't really get South American news very much. Um, and so all the time I'd had to keep, I've, I wanted to go to Machu Picchu, but I had to keep changing my plans and I did see Machu Picchu, but I'd book it and then I'd get a call and they'd say, oh no, you can't, the train's 
not going there on Wednesday, you've got to do it on Monday. Or, oh, no, sorry, you can't go to Pisco. They've taken, you know, Pisco. Or, oh, they've, no, you can't go to Lake Titicaca because who knows, airport's been taken. Um, so very last day, I'm flying out at night. I want to see the Azka Lines, which are ge wonderful geoglyphs um, in the desert and there. Um, there's a hummingbird. I'm sure being in America, you know much more about it. We've we hear very little. So got a driver down and he had at six o'clock in the morning, he arrives and he has no English. I only have Spanish that's polite, you know, <laughs> <laughs> please. Thank you. Good morning. Goodbye. Um, but thank goodness there's translate on your phone. So all the way down, he would say Spanish into his phone and then it would, you know, read out in English. And eventually we stopped at lunchtime and he typed into his phone, uh, you have grandchildren? And I said, no, I, I don't. I don't have any grandchildren. I don't have children. Very strange face. That's not what women of my age, you know, where that gives us our status to be a grandmother, to be someone nurturing. And then he typed a little bit and he turned the phone to me and it said, kittens? because <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't believe that a woman of my age would go through and not so you must be a cat lady yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do nurture things and I've had you know I've got a godson and everything but uh, it was just very funny so <laughs> I know that, that beyond 55 it's um people don't grandmother or cat lady those are my options yeah. i, I yeah. can look forward to that okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's no bad place to be i have to tell you <laughs> I, I guess yeah and that thank you so 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 much for joining oh, us no, our sure. audience is going to be out of their minds because <laughs> they don't know about this yet okay so this this will be going out on the 8th of May, both audio and video on all of right. our channels and everything. And uh, um, I just want to, do you want to hear it or see it beforehand or anything like that? Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. 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 Awesome. It's my own fault if I'd said, I've said something important. <laughs> you have it. Well, poor, poor Nate. Our little story of our first interaction, we we had no thought that the show even noticed us. We didn't think anybody from the Midsummer production crew would ever notice the podcast. Yeah. And I said winters in a tweet. And Nick piped up right away and said, It's uh, winter. There's no ass on the man. <laughs> like, ah, he's paying attention. <laughs> he corrected you. Had his little boy Rocco, so he's not. He doesn't do social media at the moment. He's not. Yeah. I don't think there's time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we had, we had four children the same age. We understand no time. So yeah, we have four kids who are all juniors in college right now. My goodness. So podcasting is a great break. Yeah, <laughs> from everything else. It, it was a moment during the. Um, <laughs> pandemic where we can say no we have to stay in here for two hours and not be bothered mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Please go away now. Uh, and then you so wonder we'll... what all the noises were 
<laughs> so we will we will link to the charity and the show description and all that good stuff. Um, we want to drive as many people and there. Target as has been very good with us. Yeah. They, um, so all of our merch sales for the first half of this year, we take all that money and whatever we make, and then we match it. Out of We're very pocket. fortunate people, so we match it and then donate it to target and we'll make That's sure funny. you get notified that we're doing that and all that good stuff so that's we're, we're only interested in helping people we're not we don't take sponsorships or well acorn acorn sponsored yeah. us because oh great yeah yeah but that yeah. made sense yeah. that made sense yeah so, um this has just been fantastic and the best part of the year so far, I can't believe we, you we got need to, to get out of that cupboard. <laughs> Maybe you Stop should get hiding from the children. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. It's been really fun talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to do it again. Oh, awesome. anytime you want to talk to us, we will gladly talk to you. We'll take your call. Yeah. Promise. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> and no, I've got another charity. I'm going to learn to mix cocktails at oh. the Ivy Club in the middle of town. Well, that's quite I'm the hardship. Always... Yeah, I know. It's awful. It's a tough it's one. The, the hard one is mixing them but not drinking them. Yeah. That yeah. is a real challenge. And <laughs> <laughs> gets more challenging if you do drink them, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem so at the time, but... <laughs> Well, have fun. Very Thank difficult. you again. Thank you so much. <laughs> Lots of love. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. So there you go. There's our interview with Annette. That was amazing! <laughs> we, I don't think we fangirled out too much, did we? Oh, I know. I was doing it inside. <laughs> don't forget to check out the charity, Target Ovarian Cancer. Very important cause. You'll find the link down below. Remember that all of the proceeds from our merch go to that charity until the end of May. The end of May. So you don't have too much time. Go buy a t-shirt and give money to an important cause. Thanks again to Annette. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs.